Welcome to the Atlanta Tennis Podcast. Every episode is titled, It Starts With Tennis and Goes From There. We talk with coaches, club managers, industry business professionals, technology experts, and anyone else we find interesting. We want to have a conversation as long as it starts with tennis. Hey, hey, this is Sean with the Atlanta Tennis Podcast, powered by Go Tennis. Check out our calendar of Metro Atlanta tennis events at letsgotennis.com, where you can also find deals on equipment, apparel, and members get 10% off our shop. So go get yourself an Atlanta Tennis Monsters shirt or even the Daniel Medvedev Lacoste shoes, 25% off for paid members. In this episode, we talk to three certified tennis coaches running summer camps in Metro Atlanta. Some have more sports than just tennis, which has a larger appeal, and one points out his secret summer camp weapon, which may or may not be a giant water slide. We break down the do's and don'ts of offering summer tennis camps, share some insider secrets for those already offering or considering to offer summer camps next year, and of course some advice for parents shopping summer camps for your kids. Have a listen and let us know what you think. Thanks, guys, for being here. I really appreciate it. And we will jump right in because today we have the brainchild of Ben Hestley, which uh, I think in the Atlanta area, if you've ever heard that name, there have been a few things that we can consider as the brainchild of Ben Hestley. But in this case, it is what we're calling the Summer Camp Tennis Roundtable or the Tennis Summer Camp Roundtable. We're going to put all those words in some order that's going to make sense, but our roundtable. So we've got Ben Hestley with Bull Shark Sports. We've got uh, Seth at Laurel Springs and Kenyon with UTA. And we're going to talk about their experiences this past summer. We're going to try to give some advice. We're going to try to give some ideas as to what's happened. I really need to know what a couple of these games are that Ben's going to talk about. So I'm going to start with him because he's got something called Kiffle Ball. And I, I thought it was a typo, but I'm going to, I'm going to check this out. So <laughs> As always, my name is Sean with Go Tennis and the Atlanta Tennis Podcast, and Ben Hestley is with Bull Shark Sports. It's, you're a strong proponent of multi-sport summer camps. We're all tennis guys, but the multi-sport summer camp, I think, is having a great. Uh, I think it's having a great run, and it's got a bigger appeal. And at some point, you got to tell me what kiffle ball is and capture the ball. You said that's a that might be a game we all already know, and you just got a unique name for it. But I got to know what that is. But assuming there's space at the camp location for multiple sports, you mentioned the balance. Well, I want to ask about the balance. You mentioned not being babysitting, but also being flexible. you got to understand the kids and understand what they want and need. What I want from you is can you talk about balancing that, whether it's not babysitting, but also the flexibility, not being so flexible that you end up babysitting? All right. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, when you have a summer camp, the – People come for different reasons, right? And especially at my camp. I run a tennis and sports camp. I've been lucky at Brackliffe Woods Beach Club to have a – we have a huge field in the back of our facility. So that lends itself easily to have soccer, wiffle ball, baseball. I'll talk about capture the ball in a little bit. We could do a whole camp on capture the ball. Um, we play ultimate. Uh, ultimate with, with Frisbee has been coming a, a really, really popular sport in recent years, and so we do that as part of our camp. And so the field lends itself for a couple things. One, it gives us more flexibility to have more sports than just playing kickball on a tennis court, which I do at some facilities that don't have a field in the back. You just have courts. So we have that flexibility, but also allows us to utilize the club um, while other members are using the club. You know, I always talk to my kids a lot 
and they learn this in our camps, is that the about their awareness and and being aware of their surroundings and other people's surroundings and and you know tennis is one of those weird sports where you often come on a court with a group of kids and you may be playing right next to a group of ladies playing out to match and how are you going to keep your kids controlled and corralled and and focused and not acting crazy while they're trying to focus on their match you know if you go to a soccer game um, they're all playing soccer. Like everybody's playing soccer. It's all kids. They're running, screaming. Nobody cares that they're running and screaming because you don't have four adults over here trying to play a tennis match. In tennis, you have that. So we have to naturally teach these kids how to be respectful and be responsible for their surroundings. And with the field, the field just gives us a chance to do something else other than tennis. And so it gives them a, more sports to experience, but also gives the, the club members a chance to utilize their facility. They don't feel like they're getting interrupted by this summer camp. So it's a really nice uh, balance, a really good relationship that we've built with, with the beach club. But as far as not being a babysitting camp and back to like everybody does some, come to camp for a different reason. Maybe you come because you're a really good tennis player and you want to continue to play tennis. Maybe you want to come because you really like sports. And I find with sports camps, you either come for one or two reasons. You either love sports, so you want to do more sports, or you don't like sports, and so mom puts you in camp, so you hopefully you'll hit some kind of bug and you'll love sports, right? So you got two ends of the spectrum. I got this super athletic kid who loves playing sports, and I got this other kid who'd rather be playing video games and sitting in the air conditioning, okay? So how do we bridge those two? And I think how to not be in a babysit camp is all comes down to your, your character and your culture that you teach. And so from right from the day one, one of the biggest things that we do, number one, we have a character word every day, and we try to live by that character word. Uh, Monday, all the kids know they come to my camps. Monday is responsibility. And we talk about being responsible for your water bottle. Being re- At my camps, there's no lunch. You have to bring your own lunch. So you have to bring your own water. I and mean, I do have water, like a big water cooler that you can refill during the day. But you, know, you bring your own water bottle. So your own water bottle, your own lunch, your racket, your stuff, your sunscreen. You have to put on your own. We don't put something I mean, for liability reasons. I don't put sunscreen on children. But they need to be responsible to learn how to put learn how to put sun. I mean, I have kids that literally have to teach how to put sunscreen on, you know, because they've never done it themselves. And so teaching them that character piece in in the in culture, walking them in, you know, carry your own bag, you know. I mean, the the the, the tongue in cheek thing I always say to my own son, who's eleven, is I say, you know, I'm your daddy, not your caddy, you know. So you carry your own bag, carry your own stuff, bring it into the facility, put it where it's supposed to be. And so we kind of set the tone right away every day that, you know, helping the kids have some sort of um, self-reliance to do things. And, and I think whether they're there because they need to play sports or they're because they love sports, everybody can get around the fact that they're they're there to be better people. And I think all of us as tennis coaches, if, if we talk more probably about um, – you know, whether we look back at our best coaches we've ever had, our favorite coaches, we, we think more about how they influenced us as people more than they did teaching us forehands and backhands. Yeah, that makes me think of Dave Matthews. I think uh, Kenyon brought that up earlier. And Dave Matthews was, for me, that, that coach that really affected me as a person. And we had those conversations when I was younger. Are you seeing the same experience at Laurel Springs where the kids are wanting to be there, but sometimes you got one that's coordinated, one that's not, and the multi-sport camp helps you, Seth? Absolutely. I mean, as, a, as an HOA facility, we, you know, we pull from the neighborhood. We want to get as many kids as we can uh, locally. And we also we, you know, we invite non-residents and we tell them, bring your friends and all that. Um, but it does come down to having the space. 
And I think as an HOA facility, we also have a playground and a basketball court and a soccer field. And, you know, we have those facilities to use. Um, so it does come in really handy. Um, so for the part, part of the pitch for us was that we were going to be able to use the clubhouse. We were going to be able to use the basketball court and all that stuff. So it was, and, and pickleball as well. I mean, so those facilities existed um, and we didn't want them to just sit there all summer long. Oh man, we're five minutes in. We've already said the word pickleball. <laughs> Kenyon, what's, uh, what's your experience? Uh, as far as the summer camps for us, it's been, it's been different at times because we have so many different facilities and, and the different facilities give us different access to different things The for us at, at Blackburn is our, is our number one, our number one place. And it's because on Fridays we have two water slides. So we have two huge water slides that literally these kids go bananas over every single Friday. And we also rent a Kona ice machine every single Friday. So those are the days that are just, just bananas. So, but each facility offers a different thing. And in that case, you could bring them the water slide. I think Ben just took a note. He's like, water slide next yeah. year. We have uh, yeah, double we have, our participation. We have Donut Friday, and I, uh, but I think I just got uh, <laughs> the, upgrade. Out, yeah, the upgrade. Yeah, the upgrade. I don't think I'm going to be able to transition from water balloons and popsicles to water slides. <laughs> we can all upgrade. Exactly. All right, Ben, kiffle ball. What, what is this? Yeah, so th this kind of circles back actually to the balancing the kid that may not want to be there versus the kid that really, really wants to be there, and then all the kids in between. So every, every week at our camp at the, on Friday or, the, or, the, or whatever the last day is, we do what we call camp connections, and it's just a reflection piece. We get all the kids together, whether they're 6 years old or 12 years old, and we talk. We talk about, and how the process works is, well, I'll bring sticky notes, and the kids have to write uh, one word or a short phrase of something they either really enjoyed about camp or something that they learned, and usually they write down all the games we play, like their favorite game, you know, Champs of the Court or, you know, Up the River, Down the River or Roll the Dice or Card Shark or Kickball or Kiffle Ball, Capture the Ball, whatever. Um, sometimes they'll write the character piece. Sometimes they'll write Meeting New Friends. Sometimes they'll have Having Lunch with Billy. You know, that was my favorite part of the week. So, but we talk about it. We, we, they put on a sticky note. We stick them on a, a board, and then we talk about the things they enjoyed about camp and what they really got out of it. And, one, and then we talk about why they like that. And every single week when we talk about why they liked kiffle ball and why they like capture the ball is the inclusivity of those games. Tennis, unfortunately, is exclusive in a lot of ways, right? It very, very, very much is level-based. You know, you can we, we have modified balls, modified equipment, but it's level-based, right? I mean, the red ball kids are not playing the same game as the, as the orange ball kids or the yellow ball kids, right? The... You know, the yellow kids, or sorry, the uh, the younger kids have to play on a smaller court. They should be playing on a smaller court. I'm not arguing that, but they, they play on a smaller space, and they're like, well, hey, these bigger kids get more space. They get bigger bigger space. So it's it's not fair in a lot of ways, and it's, it can be quite exclusive, unfortunately. But games like capture the ball and kiffle ball, everyone plays, um, and they're inclusive. And so that's what the kids like about it. So a 6-year-old can be on the same team as a 12-year-old. A kid who all he likes to do is play – Fortnite and sit in the air conditioning all day is now playing a kiffle ball on the same team as a kid who plays travel baseball. Okay, so, at some point, are you going to describe so, to me yes, what this I will game now is? Tell you. Now so I know. kiffle ball is very simple. <laughs> so kiffle ball is kickball. My think, I don't think my one of my firm beliefs as a coach and as a human being, as a parent, is that no kid should go through childhood without knowing how to play kickball. Um. I mean, you just, I mean, it is sad today that they don't, they do not. 
Um, I and I can tell you that part of our camp, we coach kickball. Like we coach them how to do, how to play kickball. You, you you know, how do you how do you coach kickball? I'm not giving kickball lessons, by the way. But <laughs> come to camp and you'll learn about pick, kickball. So kiffle ball started because it's wiffle ball and kickball, right? So hitting a baseball is probably the hardest skill, athletic skill, there is, right? Um, and, and we do a separate podcast if people want to argue that. But hitting a baseball is probably super hard. Is is probably the most difficult. To, uh, sorry, the most difficult athletic skill there is. So imagine if you're seven, you don't like sports, you're only there because mom's there. Um, you played a little bit of soccer, and here you are. You're in front of 25 other kids trying to hit a wiffle ball with a little stick. It's not going to go very well. It's so kiffle ball is balances really what I always say is the baseball kids, softball kids, and the soccer kids. So if you can hit a baseball and you can hit a wiffle ball, you can pick up the bat and swing and hit hit the wiffle ball. If you don't want to do that and you want to kick the ball, then I'll roll you a kickball and you kick the ball. So every person that comes to bat has a choice. They can either use the bat and hit a wiffle ball, or they can uh, choose to use the kickball. And I and, and I, I know I'm always the, the or me or one of my staff is one of the uh, all-time pitchers. And so we roll them a kickball. You can switch during your at bat. So if you get two strikes on you, and you want to, oh man, I might swing and miss the third and not get on base. Just give me the kickball. I'll roll the kickball. You know, and there's a whole strategy that comes behind it, and the kids start talking about, well, you can kick the ball farther than you can hit it, but you, if you you could hit it farther than you could kick it, or, or whatever the case may be. So that's kiffle ball, um, pretty pretty simple game there, uh, taking a tag off of, of kickball, kiffle ball, kiff, kickball and wiffle ball. Capture the ball, on the other hand, is the kids' absolute favorites game, and is the most inclusive game that we have. Every kid gets into it, and these kids can be dog tired ready to go, and I'll say, hey, guys, we're going to play capture the ball for 20 minutes, and they all get jacked up. So we play in the field at the beach club behind the courts, and capture the ball is, we've all heard of capture the flag, right? But capture the ball is takes it to a different level. All right, and I'll actually credit my son for coming up with this. Uh, I think Turner actually invented this game, or he found somebody who did, and he's now taking credit for it. Either way, he's the one who introduced it to me. I roll it out. We tried it a few times at camp. And it was a hit, and, and it's been staple for us ever since. So you divide the kids up into two teams. You split the field in half. So you have like this midline of, of cones that go through that split the field in half. Each team takes their ball. It's a kickball. So each team takes their ball and puts it at their end of their respective field. Uh, their, their respective end of the field. And then, they, and then you say go, and they go at it. And so you run across... And if you get tagged, you have to go back to your side. And some, some versions of capture the flag, they make you run all the way back to your flag if you get tagged. I just make them go back across the midline. That's way too much running. Because this field, by the way, is like 80 yards. You know, it's a pretty big field. And it's a summer camp. So and it's, it's a summer camp. It's hot, you know. So they just have to go back across the midline. But with the ball versus the flag, you can, once you pick the ball up from your opponent's area, you can, uh, you run with it. Then you can pass it. You can even kick it. And so you can, you, as long as the ball doesn't touch the ground, if the ball touches the ground, if, if the runner falls down, I don't want kids diving on each other. So if the runner falls down, the ball's dead, it goes back to, to where it came from. All right. Um, if uh, the ball's dropped or hits the ground anytime, it's dead and it goes back. And that keeps the game flowing. So one strategy that the kids came up with this summer, because what happens a lot of times, we, we have a 10 foot radius. You have to stay, keep a 10 foot radius around the ball when you're guarding the ball. Um, but they, so they would run in and get quickly tagged, right? And so that that's, happens a lot, um, you know, for several minutes. And then what they what a lot of kids figured out this summer 
is they would run in, and this was like very incredible. All right, just imagine eight to eleven year olds doing this. One kid sprints in, pooch kicks the ball up in the air. The other kid runs down the field, catches it, and then runs across. And that's the way they figured out how to get the ball across the goal. Uh, haven't, haven't we already invented this game? Isn't this called rugby? <laughs> yeah, it's isn't, isn't it pretty much rugby? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. We well, can't tackle. It's more like touch rugby. Okay, okay. Um, but yeah, oh, so when they do get the ball similar to the flag, they just have to run it across the midline. They don't have to go all the way back to their flag. Gotcha. So yeah, that's that's capture the ball. That's a simple gaming concept. But um, one thing the kids like about it and the coaches like is that it's inclusive. Everyone plays. Um, because some kids are really good. They're like, oh, you're really good at defense. And like, you will see an eight-year-old actually just hunt down a 12-year-old and tag <laughs> tag this kid. Where? What other game could they actually could an eight-year-old actually compete? You know, on, on equal level with a with a 12-year-old. You know, there's not many games like this. So that's why our capture the ball is. It's capture the flag with the ball, and it's simple in concept, but the kids love it. It's super fun. They ask for. We almost play it every day. Um, because they love it. It's so much fun. And I love that the longest conversation we've had about a specific game during our summer camp so far has not been a tennis game. <laughs> and, and that's a good thing. I think that makes a lot of sense because I have tried to come up with different ways to make tennis summer camps interesting. And it's hard and it's expensive because tennis coaches are expensive. But if you go out there and you're playing some kickball style games, even if it's pretty much just rugby, rugby plus capture the flag, I love it. And kiffle ball, the same thing. Let's keep it inclusive. Let's let the kids that aren't the ones that are obviously going to be the most athletic or the most coordinated dominate the other kids. And then you end up having that older kid mentor the younger kids. You, you, the, as a team, they help each other. And I think that's good. I love that a lot. And if we look at that, you said the 8-year-old, Ben, going after the 12-year-old, we're looking at summer camps less so in the way of a tennis summer camp that I remember back as a kid feeling like I was the youngest one when I was 12 and everybody else was 16, 17, 18. But I think that was more targeted toward the tennis player. I was down at Emory or somewhere down there where the colleges run a camp, maybe more for elite players. I want to turn to Seth and ask, you said you trended younger this year. And I assume that isn't because you were expecting high-level academy players coming to your summer camp. You mean younger as 8-year-olds versus 12-year-olds is what I'm guessing. My question is, do you think you can create, and this is a phrase I'm trying to find out if it's a real thing, can you generate stronger multi-year camper retention? Is that, is that a thing? Multi-year camper retention? Uh, can you generate stronger multi-year camp retention with more sports than just tennis? As Ben's talking about, you can bring some of these kids in. Tennis, a high-skill sport, and the beginners are going to struggle to get involved. You can run up and kick a ball. You don't have to be a great soccer player to be able to do that. But you can take these kids with more sports, as you've done with your Red Zone summer sports camps at Laurel Springs, does that also help kids stay interested in tennis longer or even maybe bring that kickball-only kid over to tennis? Well, I mean, I think the multi-sport training for athletes in that age is absolutely essential. I think that you've got to get the, you know, like Ben said, I mean, if you can't kick a ball, good luck hitting it with a baseball bat or a tennis racket or anything else. I mean, the spacing and the, the coordination you need to do that is very important. 
the for us, because Red Zone just took over at Laurel Springs in January, we had sort of a very short run up to get these summer camps off the ground and, and even launching into our um, our spring tennis sessions. We had sort of low numbers in the first spring session and it built into the into um, the second session. But by summer, we were promoting a ton just to get players on, you know, just to get people on the rosters. Um, so I think for a lot of the kids, um, before we before Red Zone took over at Laurel Springs, there was a pretty big gap. There was almost six months of no programming at all. Um, there was some some contentious things that happened, and and you know, sort of the position sat empty for a while. And so we lost a lot of our high level players. And I think you know, um, and Kenyon can probably speak to that too, where the the UTA model does you know direct itself toward tennis. We have a lot of players at Laurel Springs that are up at James Creek a lot, you know. Um, but I think that also was for us, we use summer camp as a way to introduce ourselves to a lot more neighborhood kids. Um, and so it wasn't just tennis. It was about getting any, you know, anybody and everybody to come and meet us and meet the coaches and see the program, see what we had done to the facility. We made a lot of changes, um, in the pro shop and on the courts and, and a lot of what we, what we thought were improvements. Um, and so that was really, it was a way for us to introduce ourselves. So I think we, we pitched it to the beginner crowd. Um, and we, you know, no experience necessary and all of those kinds of things are very inclusive and very welcoming. Um, and so that's also why I think we chose the multi-sport model was it, it brought in a lot more players for us. So you were starting almost in an under new management banner where Ben was more established. I think you were in your third or fourth year. So you've been right. doing it a little while. I think UTA has been around for thousands of years at this point. <laughs> And did you, Kenyon, see the same thing? But well, now that I say that, you wouldn't have seen the same thing. Having been around for thousands of years, you wouldn't see the new management, all right, come try us out. You guys are a little more tried and true. What do you see when something like Laurel Springs has that vacuum there? Do you see the higher level kids come to you? I would think so as an academy and being able to offer that. Do you also see the younger beginners coming in as well? Let, let me attack it from, the, from this point of view. So we've been around for a little over 25 years now, but we owned a club for a long time. So anything that we've pushed on has been new. So, so we've had to kind of reinvent ourselves as well. So anytime that we've gone to Horseshoe Bend or something like that, Horseshoe Bend has been a lot easier to do a sports camp because there's golf there, there's a pool there, and there's tennis courts there. So we reinvented ourselves in a situation like that where that's not something that was our model before. We've done the neighborhood thing as well where there's just four tennis courts and that's all we had access to. So we were going to do our summer camp from 9 to 12 because it just made sense. So every single model that we've had is, is, is going to present a different picture. This Agnes Scott thing has been a completely different thing for me but it's been awesome because in the sense that we're on a college campus, so a lot of the things that we do a lot of times, we'll go on a nature walk, believe it or not. Now, I'm not doing that, but I've got someone that's doing it. But they love just taking that hour off the tennis court and just walking around. You brought up the point of is it trending with, with younger kids. We oddly, we're trending with older kids. We're starting to get a lot of 12, 13, 14, 15-year-olds that really have never played. They're the hardest to kind of group because – they don't want to be with the kids they really should be with because they've never really played. So they've got the skill set of, of, of an eight, nine year old, 10 year old, but they don't really want to be with them. So we've had a lot of, I don't know if COVID brought that on, but we've got a lot of kids that really haven't played any sports at all. And then they're coming in and, and wanting to play at 12, 13, 14, 15 and trying to house those kids together. And that's been an odd thing because 
as an athlete, it's hard to see a kid that's never really played sports literally at all come to a summer camp. And finding them to want to love a sport has been it's been actually the most rewarding thing I think we've probably done in the past, say, three or four years for, for me. That is fascinating because we're seeing the same thing. I, I look at my wife often and I say, I, I'm not quite sure what's going on here, but maybe it's just something that's going to happen. We look at tennis, especially in the United States, is kind of the sixth or seventh sport. So that you know, the kids start with football, baseball, basketball, whatever those whatever those starting points are. Excuse me, starting sports are, and if they're good at it, they pretty much stick with it. They never get to tennis. What I think is happening is there's a little bit of, and I'm not sure if I should say this. There's a little bit of okay, well, my kid sucks at soccer. My <laughs> my kid can't hit a ball with a stick. My kid, my kid, he's little. You know, in in certain demographics, you got littler kids, and other demographics, you got bigger kids. So my kid's never going to be a football player. So let's not do American football. And then you go, okay, well, my kid just wants to play video games. He's not athletic at all. So you got those kids. And then all of a sudden, they seem to call us. And when I say us, I'm talking about tennis for children in, in my case, in my experience. And we get this 11-year-old that either has never played any sport at all, which is fascinating because we're sports guys. We think that's what you do when you're two is you grab a ball and start throwing it at people. At least that's what my son's doing at 10 months old now. But you have that kid that comes in that says, ah, oh, yeah, maybe I played a little soccer. And you're like, oh, okay, so you're super uncoordinated. <laughs> and now you're 13, and I really, like you were saying, Kenyon, I should put you with the eight-year-olds because that's your skill set, but you're twice their size. Back to the question with Seth, you said you were trending younger. Did you see that in the beginners where you had the, the more uncoordinated or the kids that weren't good at the other sports just kind of falling into tennis? I don't, I, I hope not. I mean, I hope that's not, I don't want to be the, I don't want to be the backup sport for anybody. And I don't, and I think the skill set that it takes to become a good tennis player is sort of, I still think higher than some of these other sports. Um, but at the same time, um, I think that it's, it is, it's certainly something we've seen is, is that the kids are coming in, can't jump rope, can't literally drop and kick a ball. Um, and I mean, and certainly throwing and catching is the most important. And that's something, you know, I, I know I'm going to steal it from Ben. I mean, playing tennis is playing catch. And if you can't track and catch a ball, good luck hitting it with a tennis racket, you know? And so some of those skills, like you said, we, we, that's second nature to us. I mean, I feel the same way. I feel like I've been throwing and catching a ball since I was three years old, but you do see it more and more. Um, which is also why I love getting it, getting somebody at seven, eight, nine instead of 12 or 13. It is very difficult at 12 to not only group them together, but then to also build those skills, even in, a, in an eight or 10 week session, it's very tough to go from, from zero to even two or three, you know, on that scale. And in that case, I think maybe we do trend toward the bull shark sports and red zone concept where there is multi-sport because just play catch. We tell parents this all the time. A kid, parent comes up to me and says, well, why isn't my kid able to hit topspin yet? Like, he can hardly walk without falling over. And you want them to have, hang on, this is, this is a very specific skill and a very difficult skill. I would guess baseball, how long through t-ball and all the things before a kid can actually throw a, or hit a ball with a stick that's thrown at them? That's probably not just an easy thing to do for most kids. Everybody loves that one kid that can just whack the ball and be like, yep, keep him, right? Don't let him, don't lose him to the tennis guy. <laughs> but in this case, we have the camps that are that are bringing all those things together 
And aside from the giant water slide, which is brilliant, and I think we all wrote that down, but not everybody's got the budget for the giant water slide or the liability insurance in that case. <laughs> and in that, <laughs> we, we look at how to bring these kids in and how to get not just the coordinated ones, not just the tennis kids. Can we get the younger brothers and the younger sisters or even the older ones? Sometimes it's the older ones, but usually it's the example. You got a, you got a kid in your, your UTA academy and he's banging balls and he's got the little brother that eh, he doesn't really love it. Maybe that's not his thing. Maybe he doesn't want to compete with the older brother but he can come out and play a little bit of kickball and yeah, he's going to do some tennis and see if he's kind of good at it. But the multi-sport thing I think is really good from a UTA point of view. You've caught us up on some of your experience and I appreciate that you reminded me that you probably do a lot of reinventing and personalizing programs because you will show up as new management more often than I'd pictured just because UTA has been around for more than 25 years it isn't just that you've been doing that one thing and you show up and plug it in and it works. You really do need to know the demographic. I can only imagine how different Agnes Scott is from Laurel Springs to the beach club, which I can't imagine why it's a beach club because there's no beach there. It doesn't make any sense to me. But Kenyon, from the point of view of where you are and what you see, can you are you looking to implement more of those multi-sport or is it just these two guys Seth and Ben that are targeting that does that become a UTA option besides just tennis and water slides totally agree um at Agnes Scott so for next summer we have access to more things starting next summer at Agnes Scott let's say so we'll have access to the indoor pool that they have we'll have access to the gym so we we were able to do things even this past summer at Agnes Scott at the gym that we weren't able to do before. We didn't do pickleball, but we did a version of pickleball. So we, we, just things like when it would rain, because normally when it rains at those kinds of facilities, you, you have to cancel camp. So we, weren't, we didn't have to cancel camp. Those were huge things for us. So we never had to, to dial it down. We could always say that we were going to have camp. For us, each facility is going to be different in what we're going to be able to do just based on the land and, and what they have to offer. And that's that's kind of the way that we've attacked it. Um, the good thing is, Ben, where, where the beach club is really close to Agnes Scott. So we share a lot of the same people. So people that may have gone to his summer camp one week, they they came to our camp the next week and vice versa. And we, we, we tend to pick up a lot of kids, even from Druid Hills Country Club. They might have done three weeks over there. Then they came over to us for a week or something like that. So so we tend to do a lot of sharing in that, in that neighborhood over there, but each one of us presents something completely different and, and hopefully no one's bashing one another on what they're doing because we can't offer what Druid Hills offers because they've got golf, they've got a pool, they've got land and they've got the tennis courts. And they, and I think for the most part, they still have the basketball court still set up over there where they, they, they're able to do basketball over there as well. So they've got all these different things that we just don't have at some of our facilities. So that's why we try to, reinvent what we're able to do and then we we kind of get together at the end of the summer and say what was a success and what wasn't obviously having the water slide because we used to do that at chastain we of course brought that over to blackburn but this time we just added a second water slide which was i think our our biggest week we had 117 kids so if that kind of tells you what that week looked like we had 117 kids with two water slides and i'm not kidding you it would take these kids an hour to get back up there to do it again, and they still wanted to do it. So they would come down. That's why I don't they, go to Six Flags. Exactly. <laughs> so they would come down the water slide, and it would take them that long to, to get back in line again to do it again. 
Wow. And, <laughs> and in that case, I, the thing I heard, and, it, and it's funny how my brain works from a, from a go tennis point of view. And one of the reasons I love doing this podcast and I, and I like talking to people like you because we've always had this zero sum game mentality, or we thought we did in Atlanta where my camp kids are my camp kids and don't go to that guy. And he's a bad coach and you don't want the old crusty guy. You want me. And there's been that competition. There's been what I call the zero-sum game in the tennis world. And as I set out with, with Bobby and my wife and we said, hey, let's see if we can change some of this culture where we're all on the same team. And somebody calls me up and says, hey, I'm in Swanee. Where should I go? I want to be able to say, hey, you need to check out Laurel Springs or you need to check out this place or that place because we're all on the same team. Because, And I love that you said you and Ben are close to each other but you're not necessarily fighting over the kids. You're offering very different things. And at some level, potentially even referring somebody when they say, Hey, Ben, that was great. I really love the camp. Is there another one we're looking to do different camps? And he can say, yeah, yeah, yeah call Kenyon. And I, and I love that about this kind of conversation because more and more people that we talk to from a go tennis point of view and on the podcast, it is less of that competitive nature to be able to say, yes, this is what we do. UTA does something different than bull shark sports and a little bit different from red zone to where tennis for children, as an example, we're a very niche thing and we don't need to compete in those ways of saying my kid is my kid. And where I'm going with this is I get the kids that come to me and they say, well, coach Sean, I'm going to a summer camp this summer and they want me to do this on the serve or they want me to do this on the forehand. And I say, great, do it. Well, that's not what you told me. And I say, well, that's okay. It's just a little bit different. We're all trying to get you to the same place as opposed to, oh, no, no, that's bad. And and usually we don't get anything bad because most of the good coaches in the area, we're certified. We know what we're doing. We're we're not teaching anything ridiculous. But to be able to compliment each other and say, no, he probably just thinks you're not as good as you are. You may know a little bit more. Or in the other case, it was – he may be starting you with something more advanced than we've even gotten to together. So for me to be able to say, hey, go over to Seth's program, he's probably going to say things differently. But he's good. He knows what he's doing. He's going to take care of you. He's going to make you a better tennis player. And hopefully that retention of coming back, because you get that, you, Seth, I'm, I'm looking over there as though the listener can see where I'm looking. You, you Seth, get to see that that retention and we don't necessarily have the 28 courts or however many they've got at Blackburn to be able to bring in a hundred and hundred something kids for a camp that size. And Ben, I think you were in the thirties. I mean, you're you're looking at 30 kids per week, something like that. Yeah. The most kids I had was 30. I try to cap it at, Mm -hmm. I cap my registration at 24 and then I'll allow, you know, sometimes that 24th person, has three kids and she's like, Oh, you know, your, your, your first kid hit the deadline on the, on the registration. So I'll let your other two kids get in. I donate some camp weeks for charities and things. And so I I always tell them, I said, even if we're full, I'll I'll let you guys in. So sometimes we grow to about 30 kids, 30 was the biggest, but we have to keep it small. I mean, I, I like to keep it small on purpose. Um, we give a little, you know, some individualized attention and make it more per each week is a little bit different. And that's the fun thing for me, but it has to be. I mean, the, the beach club has the big field where you could do a hundred kid game of capture the ball, but you also only have five tennis courts. You also you uh, have a pool, 
but you're limited. I mean, Lynn well, you don't have 20 staff either. I don't so. have 20 staff. I mean, I have high school and college kids that I hire literally on a weekly basis based on when they're available. So I don't, yeah, I just don't have the, it's a smaller, smaller facility. And so we don't have the capacity to, to hold that many kids. Right. And before I go to the king of tennis question, which today on the podcast, I want to keep it to summer camps. I often ask the, this king of tennis question where we say, hey, if you were king of tennis anywhere, everywhere, just Atlanta, whatever it is, is there anything you would do or change? What I'm going to ask these guys today is summer camp specific. And I sprung this on them. So they're going to have to uh, they're going to have to come up with something good. But I've got another question that I want to let everybody chime in on, so to speak, because the the listener is often trying to figure out, we, we talking about summer camps. All right, great. Well, how do I find one? Where do I go? There's Parent Magazine, I think, does a big list. And Alta's Net News does a big list. I want to find out from you, from each of you, how do you promote? And in that case, what are you promoting? How do you share with the parents to say, hey, we've got great summer camps. Here's why. And how do you get that message out starting with, with you, Seth? Because you're probably, actually, you know what? I'm not going to start with you because you're new in where you are at Laurel Springs. You may not even know the best ways yet to promote in that area. I want to start with thousands of years of experience and UTA. What do you guys do, Kenyon, to promote it? And how would you share with a parent to say the, maybe the best way to find a good summer camp for their kid? So we've always used um, Altanet News, so we've used that a ton. So we've used Facebook, we've used Instagram, so those are all new things for us is the, the social media thing. But like Ben, we've always donated a ton of summer camps to the schools that a lot of our kids go to so we've so they could use them as auctions. So, so that was another way that we could promote. And then, as you know, a lot of these parents, they get anxiety-driven. They're, they're ready to sign up for summer camp in January. So – we, we really have to have our stuff together by December, and we're ready to go. So we, we try to roll out as much stuff as we possibly can roll out in, in so many different ways. But to be honest with you, our number one thing for getting summer camp kids has been just getting a, a banner with the, with the pole and sticking it in the ground. I think we get more yard calls, signs. yard signs. I think we get more sign-ups, honestly, for the amount of money that we spend on that as opposed to what we spent on like net news or something like that, I think dollar for dollar, I think we get just as much. And then you think the same thing. So you, you use yard signs at all. I've been fascinated with yard. It's so old school, but it just seems to work. It works. I don't use yard signs, but I will attest to that same thing that all the marketing with all the social media and, and, you know, here we are, radio ads you could do and uh, billboards and, and all the different kind of marketing things that you could think about. We do a lot of math. You know, we've kind of over the last three years have built a, a mass email list, and we have a subscriber thing on our website. So you can, if you want to, you can subscribe. And then any email I send out, you're going to, you're gonna. I mean, I, I choose if I send to subscribers or not, but I can send it out to everybody. Every time I, uh, my blog goes live, I just wrote, uh, a new blog last week. Every time it goes live, it sends it to the automatic email goes to my subscribers, and then it goes on our Facebook page. But more so than anything else, word of mouth. Mm. It's word of mouth. I mean, for me, you know, I'm at small facilities. I have to keep things small by nature because that's the nature of the facility. But so I don't, I don't want to do a big ad in Net News and get thousands of kids sign up. But I'll put my 
camps out in January for summer, and I'll get to 24 kids, and a lot of them pretty quickly. I mean, by by first to the middle of February, we're, we're booked up. I mean, there's a few here and there, and um, you know, but we're you know we're, we're pretty much by by March we're we're pretty much booked up. In January, you just took over the facility, Seth. So in that case, it wasn't like you could have your whole act together, the calendar, the year before. So what did you end up doing? Well, I'm, I'm glad you didn't start with me because you're exactly <laughs> I realized exactly that right. when I turned to you. Well, and, it, and so, I mean, you know, it's, it's funny. Every time I, I go into a meeting with our tennis committee, my first question, I mean, I quiz them every time. I'm like, are you getting my emails? Did you see this? What, what if I asked you when this class is? Would you know that answer? And because it, it, it was a real struggle to figure out what messages are getting through? Um, am I using the HOA database for emails? Because everybody is unsubscribed from that. Um, should I use the you know Facebook and all of the the groups? My wife is an expert at that. She was in marketing for a long time, and she's found me a dozen Swanee coming. You know um, all of the Facebook groups that are applicable to that area and those groups. Um, and I use some of that, but I I will say exactly what Kenyon said. I had more success with just a couple of yard signs at, at the neighborhood entrances and exits, and it was unbelievable, the response. And, I mean, that was, you know, we got down to, because, um, I mean, it, it's, you know, and Ben and I both have kids the same age. We're, we're enrolling our kids in summer camps in February and March and getting, like, everything set up and getting those calendars together. Um, by middle of March, I, you know, I was still trying to figure out, are you getting my emails? Are we are we even reaching the people in the neighborhood? Forget about outside, you know, so... A lot of that stuff did come down to, you know, by March, it was just like, all right, let's get some signs and let's put them up. And sure enough, the the floodgates opened and we filled up, you know, by end of March, end of April, we were good for the whole summer. So I think by January, February next year, assuming everybody listens to this, we're just going to have, it's going to look like an election year, <laughs> an election month. We're just going to have summer camp signs in February all over Atlanta. If you think that's bad, Go to send your kid to sleepaway camp. My son goes to Blue Star. It's a Jewish summer camp in North Carolina in Hendersonville, and he goes for three weeks in July. And literally the day we pick him up from camp, an email goes out to sign up for next year, and it's full. He's he's already signed up. This is we're we're here in August. Uh, he's already signed up for next year. That is fantastic. So Kenyon, you guys with the with the largest the largest ability to pull something like this off. From a UTA point of view, is that that same thing? You say, hey, look, that was great. Thanks so much. Are you just taking notes right now, going back to the partners saying, hey, we've got, uh, we've got some little changes to make? Both. Because, okay. I mean, a lot of our kids, we try to flip them to, you know, because we want them to be there year-round. So, because we still have year-round programming while summer camp's going on. So, we only have so much space in that. In that so, usually our repeat customers are just repeat customers because they're coming back another week in the summer. They're not ready to sign up for the following year. Not yet. Right. Yeah. So but in that case, at least it's letting them know. Right. We were we were involved with the Atlanta Open this year, we as Go Tennis, and seeing the the promotion that they do is an interesting comparison because you just got different budgets, different people running things, and they're doing more this year than they ever have. But then I get the email from the Indian Wells. And I think, oh, man, that is a great concept to be able to say, you know what, there's still a once-a-month email going on. This is a year-round promotion concept. And we're not exactly an ATP 1000 or even a 250 running our summer camps. But sometimes it's that important to us to realize, okay, maybe we do need to find out who's getting emails and who's actually opening them. My father says nobody reads emails. So at this point, I put some things in bold. I assume they're going to glance, and whatever they're going to see in a glance, 
That's what I assume they get out of my email. I really don't put too much time into it anymore because we just don't see the open rate in general. If we've got 10,000 emails we're sending out, we're getting 9% open rate. That's tough. So I can't really rely on the emails every time. It really does come down to those yard signs, and that's interesting. We're starting to send texts. The, te the texts are working better as well. So for us, I mean, we're emails are just we're still sending them. So but text messages are, are what people respond to these days. Yeah, I had the same experience. I, you know, I, we use Court Reserve. That was one of our, our first things that we implemented at, at Laurel Springs. And three months in, I, I turned on the text and push notifications because it was exactly that. I mean, you know, just for adult classes, hey, cardio's tomorrow morning, two spots left. Who wants them? You know, and, and that text message generates way more, uh, you know, like you said, the open rate. I mean, you know, you're just not seeing it with emails. What's that cost you? Uh, it's a top 20, of your head. Yeah. 20 bucks a month, 20 bucks a month, 25 for extra a month. Yeah. Same concept. Do you guys use eight at UTA? Do you use court reserve? What do you do for systems like that? S same exact one court reserve. We do. All right, Ben, do you have access to that at the clubs or do they run the court reservations for you? So luckily for me, I have access to them. And that's one thing that I asked for, um, because it's super helpful because at the beach club, we got to be flexible. So it may be, if it's, so we, we let the members book first, and then I kind of organize daily the schedule based around what's going on at the club. So it's helpful for me to be able to have access to that. But we use Court Reserve at the Beach Club. Um, Limor Woods uses something a little bit different, uh, like Skedaddle, or I can't remember the next exact, exact name. But it's such a small facility. Um, but, yeah, I do have access to that, and it's and it's really, really helpful. Yeah. And in that case, at some point, we'll have everybody back, and we'll have the Court Reserve versus Reserve My Court conversation and try to find out kind of how we make those choices because I think the majority of Atlanta clubs, maybe clubs is the wrong word, HOAs are using reserve my court simply because it's so cheap, it's practically free. But it, court reserves got a lot more from a facility management point of view, and I'll be interested to have that conversation. We're involved directly, Co uh, Go Tennis is, with reserve my court. So we promote them naturally. They're a partner of ours. But we've had Ashley from Court Reserve on, and they're getting a pretty good foothold in here. And I think that helps from a summer camp point of view, being able to have those little things handled. And like Ben said, you're always looking for flexibility and trying to, trying to make sure everybody knows what's going on. That keeps those arguments away where every once in a while I say, sorry, I got the Court Reserved. I don't have to argue with you. Just you know, get out. I've got it. Uh, but the text messages is really interesting, and I'm curious to see the open rate. I'd, I'd be interested. I'll call back Court Reserve and find out from them some of the technical side because I get, I get down into the weeds and try to figure out how some of those things work to find out who actually opens them and who unsubscribes and if they have, those, if they have that information. But I am looking at my last King of Tennis question, my last thing as we finish up here, and I will thank each and every one of you uh, we already gave you a Go Tennis hat, right? We gave, we gave you that. We gave you our little thank you gift. I ordered a, I ordered a Atlanta Tennis Podcast shirt, and I realized it was probably too soon for that, so we, we didn't bother with that. Um, but we are looking for the king of tennis, and I'm going to ask each of you. I'm going to go in reverse order. I started with Ben, went to Seth, and then Kenyon in the beginning. So I'm going to back it up this time. I'm going to start with Kenyon and looking for summer camps only, even if it's the whole world maybe just Atlanta, from your point of view, from a summer camp point of view, is there anything, if you were king of tennis, you could do anything you wanted, is there anything you would change or do? Hmm. 
All right. Uh, let me see if I can attack it this way. Um, I think the best thing that we did this summer, and I'm I'm curious what what the guys here are going to say when when I say this for them, for someone who has year round programming. The best thing that we did is we decided to take July the 4th off. We did not do summer camp July 4th. We felt that was like a midway point because in the past, every pro, every junior pro has always acted as though they were burnout. With that week, not doing that week, and then we start back basically the 1st of August, it gave them the kind of that midway point. So I'm just curious on as far as decision making, because I don't think there's any bad thing you can do for summer camp except, you know, tell some kid they can't have water. I felt like that's the best decision I've made in my 32 years of coaching tennis is to take that week off. And and I also took that week off myself. And if you wanted to work, it was kind of on you, but you weren't kind of forced to because most of our people that work for us are employees. So that was the best thing I felt like I've done. So if I was king for a day, I would I would tell everyone to take take the week off personally. Because it's hard for people to take the week off when they think they need it. But then they also complain that they're burnout. So you've got to force, force them to do some things sometimes. And that's the, the way that we attacked it. To balance the fact that you need to survive the summer yeah. with, hey, I want to make money. I want to keep doing what I do. This is my time. Some people, I think Ben told me he's got a lot of his revenue is in the summer where for us our revenue drops a little bit. So depending on the business model and what you do is, is how you want to handle that 4th of July. I think that's great advice. At least that long weekend, maybe even do a, a special, a, you know, a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, depending on how that falls, if you feel like you need to work on that week. But from a coaching point of view, to take that week off as a, as a group, I think that's good advice. So Kenyon, now I'll go back to Seth. King of tennis, summer camps only. Whether it's for the whole world, you get to tell anybody and everybody what to do. Is there any one thing you would do or change? I mean, the biggest thing for me is is the enthusiasm of the coaches. When you're when you're hiring for camp and when you're introducing new players, new personalities, meeting people, the enthusiastic coaches are the ones you want on camp. You know, it doesn't matter experience level and all that stuff. I mean, you know, like and and burnout is a is a real thing. Um, and I think that you know, getting getting kids in. Um, and putting them with a coach who's going to, you know, be energetic, show them the passion for whatever sport they're working on that day, be able to, you know, support them. I think that's the biggest thing for me. And it and and I think it always really has been something that I'm passionate about through the certification processes and and all these different things that we do professionally. Um, I think in the enthusiasm of the coaches is always my big priority when I hire, when I'm when I'm looking at coaches for for mentors and and things like that. It is amazing what a little bit of an attitude shift will give you. Um, and for summer camp and when you're dealing with brand new players, that's what it's all about. And I'll push back and say, okay, I think that's good advice. I want to know how, how do I find that enthusiastic coach? What do you, you're going to say, okay, well, you know, everybody needs to have a great enthusiastic coach or we need in Kenyon's case, we need 30 of them for a hundred kids. <laughs> We need 30 enthusiastic coaches. That's not easy to do because you're not necessarily going to keep them on staff all year long. Maybe they're part-time people. Do you have advice on how to find those people, especially if it's part-time? Um, you know, it, it is difficult. No, there's no doubt about it. Um, and, I mean, my camps this summer especially were only limited by my own staffing problems, you know, and, and having, you know, making sure that I was able to get, get commitments from senior staff and junior staff to, to be able to take whatever numbers we had signing up. 
Um, and so a lot of weeks, you know, same thing. We were, we were capping camps, not because of, of interest level, but because of the number of people we had. Um, I think the, the best place to go is, is to your own players, is, you know, reaching out to players that you've trained, players that you know. Like, you know, we have a um, Lambert High School is, is right next to us at Laurel Springs. They're state champions right now. I've got, you know, a Lambert player who works in my pro shop, who, you know, do, does lessons with me. Like, things like that are certainly helpful. Um, and, you know, like Ben said, same thing. High school and college kids are, you know, and, and you can't say I only want to hire younger um, and it's not always a great idea, but that's that's where I think you go first is the players, you know, and 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 people, not just kids, but people who are enthusiastic players, then can be enthusiastic coaches. So you're telling me Kenyon's got a head start because of all the kids in the academy, no doubt about that it. That he can that he can pull from. Well, and and he said it during um, during one of the questions too. Getting the kids to work with each other is a big deal, and and even in the older groups, if you get a 15 year old to to tell a 12 year old, you got this, don't worry. I mean that make that goes a long way, um, and that 15 year old then feels that that pride of coaching and that that. Um, you know, there, there is, there's that, that, uh, that feeling you get when you're helping somebody else. And that comes from the strong coaching, co coaching culture, which we really like. Ben, we end with you. King of tennis, Ben Hesley. What do you do? Summer camp. It seems like you're doing whatever you want. I mean, I, I asked Patricia Jensen a similar question. I said, well, if you were queen of tennis and I stopped and I thought, I think you're pretty much doing whatever you would do as queen of tennis. But Ben, you, you've pretty much had some time. You've had three years now to figure out your own summer camps and what works and what doesn't work. Is there anything, King of Tennis, you'd do or change? Yeah, I think I'm going to kind of what both of these guys said, Kenyon and Seth, and, and Seth more about finding staff, right? Because in... When I worked at Druid Hills for so long, and then before that at Dunwoody Country Club, our camp staff for the summer was the tennis pros. So we just chose, okay, we're going to take two or three pros, and you're going to run summer camp from nine to four or whatever it was, and you're just not going to do any, you know, you're going to teach ladies USDA teams. You're not going to teach any cardio tennis. Like, you're just going to do camp. And sometimes we would rotate off, and if you had a private lesson or something, you know, we'd go with three pros for that hour versus four, whatever, but... We would, for the most part, it was it, it kind of got where Druid Hills, where we got pretty big, and we did hire some some summer help, and they did more stuff. That was the that was always the interesting thing is you could hire a college kid to work the pro shop, do court maintenance. Oh, and you're going to teach summer camp and help us run some events and stuff. Well, I don't have that. I mean, my camp is is nine to four, and you know you get there you get there at eight or eight thirty, but it's over at four, and that's it. There's no hey, you're going to work four hours behind the bar tonight, slinging drinks. In the in, you know at, at the club bar, we don't have that. So how to find how to find staff is is really really is really really a big deal. And for me, it's the same thing. I've, I've a lot of kids who I've, I've coached myself, and now they're in high school, or now they've gone and go, go to college, or kids in the neighborhood that I know, and you know almost like a, a babysitting service, right? For you 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 have a rolodex of babysitters to use for your kid. It's the same thing. Here's here's the high school and college coaches. When you guys available or uh, not college coaches, college kids who will coach for you, and so I use them. I think they're great, honestly. You know, hate to say it, but I think the, the high school and college kids are better than the tennis pros. Where is this list? So that's the that's where I'm getting to with the king of tennis because there isn't a list. Everyone has their own list, right? You have a list of and I got so many it was so funny this this summer I was getting text messages from parents who got my uh, my number from other people and they're texting me like 
hey, um, you you know, do you do you looking for staff for the summer? My high school kid would like to you know like to help or whatever. My college kid would would like to help. And uh, do you you know are you do you have availability or whatever? And I would I would simply because I was a tennis director at a private club for for a year to manage you know lots of people. And my first response would be like, well, yeah, just send me your resume. We'll take a look at it and see if we. Uh, can. And they're like, uh, she's uh, sixteen. She's <laughs> never had a job before. And I'm like, okay, well, here's a kid that. So so what do you send me? Like, well, look, the resume. Just send me like a like. What does she do? What 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 what, what is she into? Okay, she plays club. Uh, or she plays a select soccer, you know, or I have one girl that works with me. She's not really a good tennis player. She's okay, but she's a phenomenal. She plays um, travel volleyball or club, they call it club, club volleyball. Um, and then she plays for, she plays volleyball for Lakeside High School. She's fantastic. She's probably one of the best. She's not a tennis player, but she's great with kids and she can run a red ball class like nobody's business. And, and that's usually where I put them is, is running some of the younger kids. I work with more of the older kids and then I kind of ro- kind of roam around, right? And that's kind of my my coaching style, anyways. But it works. Work. Ben's problem is he's got incoming calls for extra staff. That, <laughs> uh, that sounds awful. I'm sorry to hear but that. But let me just get to the point. Sorry, as long winded. But I'm thinking to myself, what happened to this girl had gone to work at Chick Fil A this summer, right? Um, now she probably would have crushed it because I think Chick Fil A's you know paying like twenty five dollars an hour. I may go work at Chick Fil A actually. <laughs> You're off on Sundays and you make like thirty two dollars an hour for filling up cokes. We're all available Fourth of July week. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, but what would happen now? This girl has has seen the light of coaching. She's enjoyed it, um, and for her it helps because this whole year she's got a whole list of, of kids she can babysit. That's one like perk for these guys that to work with us. And then the other thing is. Now she's turned on to coaching and like, wow, whether it's volleyball, whether it's tennis, where it's just, I'm going to go be a PE teacher, man, this is great. I, I mean, how many times, Kenyon, you and I have this conversation all the time about telling, like, you know, it's like sometimes with parents of our players, they like thinking, like they love us, but like, oh, my kid's not going to be a coach. Like, like why, it's a real profession, right? Why not? It's yeah, a real right. profession, you know? My kid's going to be go be, and I'm married to an attorney, so I can't talk. But my wife's, me too. You know, yeah, you are too. <laughs> a lawyer. You know, we're smart. We both marry lawyers, right? so we could be coaches. Um, but coaching is a real profession, and but kids don't know that, and even parents sometimes don't know that, or don't, or they don't think that's a realization for their kid. I mean, for me, I wanted to be a football coach or baseball coach my entire life, so my story is a little bit different than most. But most never have that realization. So if I was king of tennis, I would have some kind of like create some network. And maybe have like a camp for coaches where, hey, look, if you summer camp is a real deal, it's a great way for your kid to make some money and have a great time and be around kids and do the sports that they love. And we do this in like, I don't know, January, February, whenever you're kind of rolling up your your uh, your staff for the summer. And have these guys come in. It's almost like a job. Be like, be a fun job fair, right? Like you're like put the college and, and high school kids like in through like a mini camp, right? Through a camp. Like you're gonna play capture the ball. You're gonna play kiffle ball. You're gonna play some tennis. You're gonna play ultimate, whatever. And we're all there, like you know. I'm thinking like NFL combine, right? Like we're kind of looking. We got our notepads, and we're oh, this kid looks good. She, look at look how she look at how she guards and captures the ball. This is awesome. And so you have all these camp coaches who come. And who are running their summer camps, and then all of a sudden, these guys all have a Rolodex of camps, and now we're contacting the parents 
if they choose to do that. Now, the parents, uh, you know, if, if you have a kid who's in high school, that, that relationship, that's a whole other podcast on how you handle that relationship between texting a 15-year-old girl, you know, always put her parent on there, that sort of thing. But, um, you know, how, now these kids are getting contacts and, and, and now being a summer camp coach, which will hopefully segue into being a professional coach when you're older, um, that's something that our, our industry as a tennis industry, not just sport, sports industry for sure, but tennis industry, I mean, who are the tennis pros? They're like 55-year-old guys with, with like, like replacement hips out there feeding balls. You know, there's, there's, you know, there's not many 25-year-old kids coming out of college wanting to do what we do, and maybe we can, through summer camps, we can show them that this is a real, a, a real lifestyle, a real, you know, real thing. All right, so Go Tennis just found its winter project because I think between Go Tennis, Red Zone, Bull Shark Sports, and UTA, I think we make this camp a reality. I think this is a great idea. I think this helps all coaches in the area. I think this is definitely a thing we're going to do. And then eventually we spit them out and send them out to Jorge Capistani, and we've got a whole system <laughs> going to work. Well, gentlemen, we are out of time. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. And like I said uh, in the beginning, we will – we will follow up with this because I think this is the kind of thing we could do, if not yearly, at least yearly, and be able to follow up and say, okay, what's, what's up for next year? How did this year go? But then eventually try to figure out, hey, what's, what's going on in these conversations that's actually helping people? And if there's one thing that comes out of it, whether a giant coach's camp comes out of it, which I've written it down, like get this done, because I think this is going to be one of the more important things, even if it's a little thing of saying, okay, is net news really the place to go for summer camps? Everybody waits for that, for that article, that article episode. What is that? It's a, what do, what do we call the, the issue? Issue. issue. Thank you. I can never think of that word. I don't know why issue mm -hmm. just seems like a bad thing. Everybody's looking forward to that issue. And uh, in that case, otherwise, we're just going to have to make some phone calls and start a sign, a yard sign business in January and help <laughs> tennis coaches say, hey, if you're looking for your summer camps, here's your one outside of Laurel Springs, wherever UTA is. You guys are multiple locations, so you've got multiple options there. And then in the same way, I don't know how many neighborhoods are going to want yard signs in February excited about summer camps, but we'll figure it out. And that's one of the things Go Tennis is working on. One of the things that the podcast is trying to do is how do we help the coaches? How do we help the parents? And we make tennis even better than it already is. Gentlemen, thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Sean. Well, there you have it. We want to thank rejuvenate.com for use of the studio. And be sure to hit that follow button. For more tennis-related content, you can go to atlantatennispodcast.com. And while you're there... Check out our calendar of tennis events, the best deals on Technifiber products, tennis apparel, and more. If you're a coach, director of any racket sports, or just someone who wants to utilize our online shop, contact us about setting up your own shop collection to offer your branded merchandise to the Atlanta tennis world. And with that, we're out. See you next time.